It's good to enjoy what you most love to do, Sally replied, looking up in the sky. She was dressed in a beautiful green satin gown, with her hair pinned up and dressed with fresh flowers. What do you most love to do, Sally? Patrick asked her, catching her off guard. This, she immediately thought. Suddenly, she turned at hearing the barks of a puppy. Oh no, Nelson! Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. By the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you'll find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll bring you Chapter 26 from The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, entitled Puppy Love. And a little later in Jenny's Corner, Miss Jenny will tell us how she came up with the idea of including the puppy in question. Oh, now, lad, they know all about the puppy in this story. (laughs) Though I'm flattered that you think it's worth telling. Sally Shelton's puppy, Nelson. Oh, uh, him. Uh, I, uh, Nelson. And Nigel is going to help me with a special surprise later in our podcast. Right, Nigel? Indeed. We're combining our expertise because, let's face it, two heads are better than one, even if one is a teeny tiny little head with a teeny tiny little brain. Ah, oh, now, there, there, announcer chap. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> uh, what about me? Uh, well, Liz, uh, you get to be the resident feminine feline. Ooh, thinking outside the box, no? <laughs> There's that tiny little brain hard at work. <laughs> I was going to say... The feminine feline who naturally loves a good love story. Well, bien sûr, I am a French feminine feline, so what is not to love about l'amour? So, now that you've heard from them all, let me properly introduce them to you. First, the canine pride of Scotland, we've loved since he was a puppy, Maximilian Braveheart the Bruce. Ah, thanks, lad, and greetings, laddies and lassies. Next, la petite black kitty, who's both brilliant and pretty. Lisette Briand. Oh, well, merci. <laughs> you are making me blush. <laughs> kind of hard to tell with all that fur. I know, right? Uh, and finally, the lovable little mouse that you don't mind running around your house, Nigel P. Monaco. I say, greetings one and all, and uh, well done there. Uh, 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 Denny? Was that a question? No. Are you asking? Oh. Don't you know? Of course I do. Oh, dear. I see I'm going to have my work cut out for me Nigel. in pulling off this big surprise. Uh. Oui, je comprends. I'm just not sure how much he comprends. <laughs> uh, perhaps I can help? Aye, lad, I can pitch in too, then. Uh, oh, no, Max and Liz, I, I shan't be needing your help. Oh, you don't need their help. But you need a nonce, lads? <laughs> it's not like that. Oh, well, uh, perhaps we are too smart for this, Max. <laughs> I'm not too smart for it. Beg your pardon? I mean, I... Uh. Is there a problem here, Nigel? Oh, no, no, no. It's all good. Uh, I say, why don't we divide and conquer? You read the chapter, old chapster. Okay. And I shall begin preparing our little surprise, eh? For as you say, old boy, two heads are better than one. Exactly. Especially working separately. 
Chapter 26, Puppy Love. Shelton Plantation, Rural Plains, Hanover, August 1752. The fragrance of magnolias was heavy in the air around the Shelton home, seemingly growing stronger as the air cooled and the summer sun softened and melted into the pink sky. The red brick house on the hill, overlooking the Totopotomy Creek, had been home to the Shelton family for 30 years, but they had owned the 5,000-acre tract of land since King James I granted it to them in 1609. Not only were the Sheltons among the longest land-owning families in Virginia, they were one of the most respected. Laughter and music wafted through the air along with the scent of magnolias as everyone enjoyed the simple delights of sumptuous food, punch, and country dancing. Patrick stood at the top of the brick steps, playing his fiddle and stomping his foot as couples danced a reel on the front lawn. Never had the Sheltons enjoyed such lively entertainment at one of their barbecues. After nearly an hour, Mr. John Shelton walked up the steps and exclaimed, "'Aren't we glad to have Pat back in Hanover?' The guests applauded and cheered the fine young man who had grown up in their midst. "'Thank you, Pat, for coming to play for us tonight. Uh, welcome back.' "'Thank you, sir, for your kind hospitality,' Patrick replied, taking a bow. "'Please go enjoy yourself,' Mr. Shelton said kindly. He leaned in and whispered, "'They're serving the pie and ice cream now.' "'Thank you, Mr. Shelton. Uh, right away, sir,' Patrick said, making his way down the steps. People greeted him and thanked him for his lively playing and asked about how his family was doing over in Mount Brilliant. He soon put his fiddle back into the case and headed to the dessert table. Sally stood there holding a huge piece of warm apple pie topped with vanilla ice cream. I think someone has earned this. I'll fiddle for pie any day of the week, Patrick assured her, eagerly taking the plate. Thank you, Sally. We can sit over here, Sally said with a smile, leading him to a table with chairs over by a crepe myrtle tree. Candles were lit as dusk set in, and the stars were starting to faintly appear in the sky. You're right. You do play the fiddle better than the flute, if I must say. Patrick nodded, unable to respond with a full mouth. It's my favorite, he mumbled. It's good to enjoy what you most love to do, Sally replied, looking up in the sky. She was dressed in a beautiful green satin gown, with her hair pinned up and dressed with fresh flowers. What do you most love to do, Sally? Patrick asked her, catching her off guard. This, she immediately thought. Suddenly, she turned at hearing the barks of a puppy. Oh, no, Nelson! Sally quickly got up and ran to the little puppy frolicking in the grass, chasing a squirrel up a tree. The puppy jumped around excitedly, barking at the squirrel. The dog was solid black from his neck down along his back to the white tip of his wagging tail, which looked like the end of a pendulum rapidly swinging out of control. He had a perfectly straight white neckline, almost resembling a bald eagle wearing a black set of puppy ears and eye mask. His nose, chest, and forelegs were white, and he stretched up the tree trunk, yipping at his desired conquest. Patrick set down his plate and joined Sally under the tree with Nelson. He squatted down to pet the puppy, who lavished him with kisses before turning his attention back to the squirrel. What a cute dog, Sally! Isn't he... I found him wandering near the creek. I don't know where he came from, so I brought him home, Sally recounted, 
I named him Nelson. Patrick smiled at Nelson and immediately loved his feisty spirit. He looked up the tree at the squirrel, who puffed up his cheeks, shaking his tail erratically and chattering in alarm at the pursuing hound puppy. You want that squirrel, Nelson? He reached down and lifted the puppy in the air, causing the squirrel to scamper up the tree. Sally clapped her hands and laughed. <laughs> it looks as if you two make a perfect pair. Mother wrote me that Max disappeared soon after I left Mount Brilliant. I thought he'd be happier staying there. I don't know what happened to him, Patrick said, nuzzling the playful puppy who licked his face happily. I've been sad about that. I miss him. Nelson playfully nibbled Patrick's fingers. I'm sorry, Pat. I know how special Max was to you. Sally said, putting her hand on his shoulder. He was your dog all through childhood. I know he was about your best friend. What about Liz? I know she was special to you, too. Patrick swallowed his emotion. Liz also disappeared. I try not to think about losing her, too. But I know that pets don't live forever. That's part of life. The price we pay for loving pets or people is the pain we feel when we lose them. Nelson lunged for his neck with fresh kisses. Patrick smiled and threw his head back laughing. Sally watched Patrick and Nelson, smiling at the pair of fast friends. I wasn't expecting this, she thought. Patrick is in love. <laughs> Puppy love. November 1752 Nelson needed a home and was more than happy to be Max's stand-in for this season in Patrick's life, Clarie explained to Liz and Nigel. Well, he has certainly played the role of Cupid well, Nigel chuckled. Patrick and Sally appear to be quite the happy couple, struck by his arrows of love. They are very young, but they have known each other since childhood. I am happy this is one part of Patrick's life that is going well. Liz's smile faded, and she furrowed her brow sadly. I am afraid his store is going to fail, with farmers unable to repay their debts after the weak harvest. Clarice smiled. Patrick's store was never about selling salt and ribbon. It was merely another classroom, and the key to open the next door on his life's journey. Liz smiled. I wonder what will be next for my Henry to find his voice. She looked at Clarice and knew what she was going to say. Clarice smiled and looked up through the floorboards of Patrick's store. Time will tell. It always does. That Ben Franklin flew a kite and figured out that lightning is electricity. He wrote how to do it right here, a customer exclaimed, poking his finger in his upraised copy of the October 19th edition of the Pennsylvania Gazette. As frequent mention is made in the newspapers from Europe of the success of the Philadelphia experiment for drawing the electric fire from clouds by means of pointed rods of iron erected on high buildings, etc., it may be agreeable to the curious to be informed that the same experiment has succeeded in Philadelphia, though made in a different and more easy manner, which anyone may try, as follows. Patrick held up the newly arrived 1753 Poor Richard's Almanac, and he put his experiment to good use. How to secure houses, etc., from lightning. It has pleased God in his goodness to mankind at length to discover to them the means of securing their habitations and other buildings from mischief by thunder and lightning. After a lively discussion about Ben Franklin's exciting new discovery, 
Patrick smiled as he spotted one of Franklin's witty quotations printed in the Poor Richard's Almanac. A pair of good ears will drain dry an hundred tongues. He read down to another quotation and raised his eyebrows at another good testing quotation. He looked around the store and summed up his audience, predicting who would react exactly as he anticipated. Gentlemen, what do you think about this? The good will of the governed will be starved if not fed by the good deeds of the governors. December, 1752 Patrick picked the horsehair off his black coat and knee breeches and straightened his tricorn hat. He took a deep breath and exhaled, then made his way up the path to the front door of rural plains. He could hear the music and laughter inside the house that beckoned him with its cheery yuletide warmth. Fresh wreaths of holly and ivy adorned each window, hung by the red ribbon bought at his store. White candles, also from his store, lit up each window. And on the front door hung a magnificent pine wreath adorned with sticks of cinnamon, dried oranges, and sprigs of red berries. In his hand he carried a gift for Sally. He fervently hoped she would like it. Mr. Shelton heartily greeted Patrick, and the family and friends gathered in their home echoed his Christmas greetings to the young man who had been calling frequently on John Shelton's daughter. Sally smiled and greeted Patrick as they melted into the gaiety of the Christmas celebration. They sipped mulled cider, enjoyed a bounty of delicious food, and toasted the good health of each other. Sally's mother played the pianoforte, and everyone basked in the glow of the candlelight and the beauty of the music. Patrick looked at Sally, lovely in her Christmas gown, with brown ringlets of hair kissing her cheeks, and her dimples showing as she smiled with glee from the joy of the evening. "'I have something for you,' he whispered in her ear. She looked up at him with an excited smile, and together they left the room and crossed the hall to a side room. He handed her the wrapped gift in simple brown paper and green ribbon, but with a sprig of mistletoe stuck in the bow. "'What have you brought me, Mr. Henry?' Sally asked, as she handed him the mistletoe and the bow. She opened the box, and her jaw fell as she lifted the beautiful brush and looking-glass. Patrick looked at her sideways, trying to gauge her reaction. She took in a deep breath and held up the ornately carved mirror, shaking her head happily. She ran her hand along the soft bristles of the brush. "'Oh, Patrick!' They are beautiful. I love them. Thank you. You do? he asked her. I'm glad. I had them sent from London. He didn't bother to tell her this gift had cost him all the spare money he had. Happy Christmas, Sally. She embraced him in a warm hug. Happy Christmas, Patrick. She leaned back and whispered, I have something for you, too. She set his gift down on a chair and held up her hands. Wait here and close your eyes. Patrick stood smiling with his hands crossed in front of him and closed his eyes as he had been told. He heard a chorus of applause as Mrs. Shelton finished playing another song. It wasn't long before he heard Sally's voice approaching him. Keep your eyes closed. They're closed, Patrick assured her. Within a brief moment, he felt the unmistakable paws of Nelson against his leg. He opened his eyes, and there was the lanky puppy with a big red bow around his neck. 
He knelt down, and Nelson covered him with kisses. He looked up at Sally in surprise. You're giving me Nelson? Yes, but this Christmas gift does come with a condition, she told him with an impish grin. Patrick rose to his feet. What is that, Miss Shelton? he said, lifting her hand to tenderly kiss it. Sally smiled and looked around to make sure no one was listening. She whispered in his ear, The girl comes with the dog. Patrick looked at Nelson, who sat there gazing up at him with big eyes, huge red bow, and wagging tail. Patrick winked at the puppy as he hugged the girl. I'll gladly take both. Ah, oh, très bien. There are two kinds of puppy love taking place here, no? Aye. Eh, if you like all of that mushy stuff. Uh-huh. I seem to recall way back a long time ago. There was a young Scottish lad who didn't seem to mind that mushy stuff at all. Max didn't notice the gulls fly overhead or the commotion behind him. His gaze was focused on the beautiful white dog rushing up to him. Max smiled. Hello, uh, Miss... Kate returned the smile. My name is Bonnie Caitlin Maitland, but please call me Kate. My name is Max, uh, Maximilian Braveheart the Bruce, <laughs> but you can call me whatever you want, Max said, gazing into Kate's beautiful eyes. Max and Kate stood gazing at one another. They didn't hear anything but the sound of the crashing waves and the beating of their hearts in their ears. Chemistry. Aye, 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 okay then, you had your laugh. Uh, fact is, I do miss me bunny, Kate. We oui, and I miss mon cher Al. For we too had a romantic first meeting, no? Uh, no. Uh, you seem to be forgetting then that the lad tore up your fancy garden and ate up all the good veggies. That is not how I remember it. Well, guys, here's how we all remember it. Something lovely was happening, despite the destruction of the garden. Oh, Albert, you make me laugh. Mademoiselle, it is not my name, nor does it mean I am mad, <laughs> said the black cat, still laughing as she spoke. Al, feeling silly, laughed anyway at himself. <laughs> I, maybe I am La Chafou. What is your name then, lass? I am Lisette Briant, but you may call me Lise, replied the black cat uh, with a smile. Oh, Albert, ye make me laugh. Tee-hee, tee-hee. That is enough, okay? I still miss my noble warrior. I'm sure you do, Liz, but today we're going to find out a little bit about the puppy that's behind today's puppy love episode by taking a quick trip over to Jenny's corner. Uh, Miss Jenny, we have a question for you. Good. What can I help you with? Well, today it seems that we saw Mon Henry fall in love twice with Miss Sally and with Nelson the doggy. Hi, and both were puppy love. Ah, puppy love. Have you ever been in puppy love? You know, that's a fun figure of speech that they say when kids fall in love, it's such young love, it's just like puppy love. <laughs> but in this case, it was love of a puppy. Well, today our puppy was named uh, Nelson. Uh, what was your inspiration for him, and, and how did you come up with the name uh, Nelson? 
The character Nelson was patterned after my dear friend Richard Schumann, who portrays Patrick Henry in Colonial Williamsburg, and his favorite dog was named Nelson. And in fact, he loved this dog so much, he was dating the girl. And he's like, I had to get the girl and the dog to marry. So it's kind of a a fun story that I was able to weave into the story of Patrick Henry from my friend who portrays Patrick Henry and who inspired me to write this entire book. I say brilliant, Miss Jenny. And a tip of the hat to old Richard there for sharing his story and playing such a convincing Patrick Henry, what? Aye, well done, all. No, a boot that's a praise then. Max! No, no, he's right. Uh, Nigel, would you like to do the honors? Well, since I did all the work, uh, I would like to draw your attention to these laptops I've spread out all over the place here. Uh, uh, there's one for each one of us, so find the one you like. Oh, we are logged on to something here. Uh, oh my, there I am! Hey, Mousie, can you push me buttons too? And not the way the announcer lad does. Indeed. Uh, uh, um, there you are. Hi, there I am. Ah, uh, and there's Liz. Hi, Max. Hi, Liz. <laughs> uh, this be a nice surprise, then. Oh, it gets even better. Uh, Nigel, since you're the host... Uh, uh, right. Uh, yes, uh, two more screens. This be strange. That one looks like the back of Al's head. It is the back of Al's head. Al, turn around. Sure, and the laptop be talking to me. And it has the angelic voice of me, Liz. Ah, it is indeed Liz, Al. Uh, turn around, old chap. Uh, I guess I never done a selfie before. Uh, oh, Liz, that really be you? It is me, mon cher. Hi, and Kate be here too. Um, oh dear, uh, she has it on mute. Uh, Kate, dear, can, can, can you hear me? I say, uh, uh, nod your head, my dear, if you can hear me. Uh-huh. I hear you loud and clear, Mosey. Uh, not you, Al. Uh, Kate, lass, uh, listen, just take your paw and mash it on the wee microphone picture down in the corner. I'm the flap. I say, Kate, my dear, uh, you're, you're still breaking up. Masson, be... You're, you're breaking up, Kate. No, hold on, Mosey. You're getting a little scared. Uh, 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 nobody, lass. No, I could never break up with you. Uh, we just aren't hearing you so good. How? Who's that? Can you hear me now? We can hear you, mon ami. I can hear you too, Liz. And can you hear me too? Oui, Albert. I can hear you, and I can see, eh, uh, most of you. Uh, the lad takes up the whole screen, then, don't he? Eh, uh, oui. Eh, uh, uh, scooch back a little bit, mon cher. Tisting, tisting. Is this better, Max? Hi, me bonny lass. Me whole day just got better. Oui, Al, it is so good to see you. Uh, uh, all of you. Oh, Nigel, this was such a good idea on Poppy Love's Day. Well, as I can't take all the credit, uh, whilst I did indeed work out the logistics and various technological prerequisites okay, and Okay, whose idea were it, Mosey? Not announcer, lad. <laughs> oh, heavens no. Uh, but allow me to log on the genius behind this call. Um, I, uh, I say, are you there? I'm here, Nigel. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Sandy. And I'm Fluffy, but I go by Al. Liz, who's Sandy? She is a Madame Announcer. Announcer, lass? Oh, where are me manners? Uh, 
Welcome, Miss Sandy. Oui, uh, bienvenue, Miss Sandy. Oh, well, thank you, Liz. Uh, hi, Kate. Hello, Miss Sandy. Nice to meet you, Sandy. Nice to meet you, Fluffy. <laughs> you see, this video link was all Miss Sandy's idea, and let me be the first to say, brilliant. Yay, Sandy! First try. Really? You remember her name on the first try? Oh, get over yourself, lad. Uh, is he always like this, Miss Sandy? Mm, not always, but <laughs> I still love my, um, uh, announcer guy. It's still Denny, oh, love of my life. Oh, boy. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And remember, you can download your very own copy of the audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thank you for listening, and join us next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grandi! A bientôt, mes amis! Huzzah! And ta-ta! And always remember, you are loved, and you are able. <laughs>